You know, all of us face problems. All of us. If you haven't faced a problem recently, and if you're not facing one right now, tomorrow may be your day. You want some good news? You're not alone. All of us face stuff. Maybe you're going through some difficult stuff right now that you don't know how you're going to make it. No, you're not alone. And what's interesting is, regardless of where people are on their spiritual journey, when we face problems, however you want to describe your problem, it's almost intuitive. I, th I think every one of us, in one way or another, we turn to God. At least the topic, the idea, right, that, that God is related to this somehow we look to God. Even people who say they don't believe in God, even people who don't go to church, people who say they don't follow Jesus, they're not Christians, because you hear it. When people say, well, I don't understand why God will allow something like this to happen to somebody like me. Well, I don't understand. Well, wait a second. I didn't think you believed in God, right? Wait a second. I didn't think you were one of those people that even thought that God was involved. So everybody, you know, even that statement itself hints at the fact that they have a context, for God. So it's natural for all of us to look to God. God, why? God, what's up? God, what's going on? But let me take it a step further. Not only do people automatically kind of look to God, I think that a lot of people, if not most people, look to a local church when they go through something difficult. It's, it's just kind of what people do. Maybe that's why some of you are here. Maybe that's why you're tuning in online. That's what happens, right? I mean, you don't go to church, you don't go to church, you don't go to church, and then you lose your job. And then you show up at church. Nothing wrong with that at all. We're so glad you're here. That's a common phenomenon. You don't go to church, you don't go to church, you don't go to church, and then you get a bad lab report or a doctor's appointment, and it rattles you, and you show up at church. We're glad you're here. So glad you're here. You came to the right place. You don't go to church, you don't go to church, you don't go to church, you're just so busy and all this other stuff, and then she tells you it's over. He tells you he's leaving. Or your kids don't come home. Or you wake up so anxious and so full of anxiety and gloom and dark depression, you don't know what to do, so you show up at church. And we're so glad you're here. You came to the right place. That's a very normal and natural thing for people to do. And even though here at this church and in local churches, we have ministries like our life care ministry and mentoring relationships and environments to encourage people, people like you and me, when we go through difficulties, eventually, eventually, listen very carefully, you're going to face something. You're going to face something where you're going to realize church is not enough for this. Eventually, you're going to face a problem that attending church will not fix. That showing up will not solve. That no amount of checked boxes will alleviate. That getting in a group won't fix, even though that's a great thing to do and you need to do it. 
that serving won't, won't fix, even though you should be serving and volunteering, that doing more won't solve, even though those are all important things, eventually you're going to face something in your life and you're going to need something deeper than all of that, something more personal than all of that. And by deeper, I don't mean more information about the Bible. By deeper, I don't mean more information about God. By deeper, I mean something at the level of the heart, something at the level of the soul that affects everything else. Something, excuse me. <laughs> Go ahead, just laugh it up. <laughs> Have yourself a time. <laughs> something between you and God. Something that goes far beyond anything that you can experience just by showing up in church. That if you don't have what I'm getting ready to talk about in the next few minutes, if it's not a part of your life, then all these other things will come up short and just lead to spiritual exhaustion, frustration, and confusion. That's why people say things like, I don't get it, I don't understand. I started going to church and I thought my marriage would get better. I don't understand. I don't get it. I started going to church and I figured that I would just get a job. I don't understand. I don't get it. I started going to church and I thought things would turn around because I started going to church and nothing stopped, nothing changed, nothing's different. I don't get it. It's because you need something deeper, something more. Pay attention. What you need is, is something kind of like an alternator. Alternator in a car. You know what an alternator is? You probably have heard of it, even if you don't know anything about cars. Yeah, I, I'm, your car's got one, I, I promise you. Cars don't run without alternators. Um, alternator is like a generator. There, you've heard of a generator, right? An alternator is like a generator for your car, for the electrical components on your car. And I'm not a car guy, but I figured this out the hard way. After you replace two or three of them, you ask a question, what's this sucker do? <laughs> Why is it so dang expensive? And, and so... Uh, the first time I replaced one, uh, I was in college, and I remember just watching the, uh, you know, my lights and the dash and my headlights just start, just dim and then die. And there I am just sitting, you know, on the side of the road, and I'm like, man, what just happened? I bet I need a new battery. Got a new battery? Somebody jumped me off, you know, and I'm good for a couple more days. Nothing again. Man, I got a bum battery. Went back, and finally, after the second battery that I bought, I realized, as an 18-year-old dude, this bigger than a battery. I needed an alternator. You know what the alternator does? The alternator keeps the battery charged up. The alternator keeps all of that running well electronically so that you can get to your destination safely. And what I'm going to be talking about in the next few minutes is like a spiritual alternator for your soul that will keep you going, that will keep you moving. When church is not enough, when nothing else is enough, and before I tell you what it is, I mean, some of you may be surprised, but some of you may go, especially if you've been following Jesus for a while, you may go, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 I've heard this. Wait, 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 because this is so familiar to some of you, it's lost its meaning. It's so familiar to some of you, it's become white noise. It's so familiar to some of you on the test that you get the, you get the answer right every single time, but it's not a regular part of your life. And if you're not a Christian, this is one of those things that even though it's directly aimed at Christians, it's going to be one of those, oh, that makes sense now kind of things for you. As you're trying to understand what all of this is about. 
an alternator for your soul, to keep your soul running when you are hitting the wall and nothing is fixing it. What are we talking about? We're talking about the power source for your soul. What is it? God's word and prayer. It's that simple. God's word or what Christians call the Bible and prayer. God's word and prayer, the power source for your soul, especially in hard times, helping you survive. Now, some people are looking at this and they're going, oh, and that's, that stuff is boring. I don't, I don't, I don't read the Bible. I don't, I don't pray. I mean, that's good stuff. And all. that's just kind of like, ooh, kind of stuff. You know, I get it. I totally understand. Or maybe you say it's irrelevant. I don't see the point. I don't see the point in it. Because I tried. A few weeks ago, I tried. I mean, I mean, I found out some bad news, and I went and I just opened up the Bible and I started reading. I, didn't, I couldn't pronounce any of those guys' names, and I didn't know what the these and thous and the shouts and the shants and all that, and it just didn't make sense, so I, I closed it and went to watch a movie. I get it. Some of you may be looking at this and going, man, I, 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 to be honest, I just don't know how to read the Bible. And I try. I mean, I try. I mean, I can read, but I can't read the Bible. And I try to pray, and I don't know how to pray. I don't know. Pray. Or maybe you look at this and say, I don't care about any of that. It's just apathy, right? Well, the day will come when you will want to care about something, and you'll even look to this. But what you need to know, this is the power source for your soul. It's not a quick fix. It's not a box to check. And a lot of Christians, Christians, listen up. The reason you stay constantly frustrated is you see God's word and prayer as a quick fix for your daily issues and daily problems. No, it's not about a quick fix. It's about soul health. It's, it's the difference between eating food to stop hunger cravings versus eating food for ongoing nutrition, right? It's, you know what the difference is? If you just eat every time you're, you have a craving, you're gonna be very unhealthy, aren't you? Because especially when it comes to potato chips, they put something in them I don't know what it is. There's a reason you can't stop with one. I don't know what it is. Just, I got to have 10. I need to have half the bag kind of thing. So if you're constantly eating every time you have a craving, you're going to be very unhealthy. We have to train our bodies and our minds and our cravings to eat for nutritional health. So if you're just reading the Bible and praying, just when life is falling apart and reading your Bible, trying to look into God's word and, and, and I need to pray, oh God, help me, kind of thing. Just when life is falling apart and then, okay, now I'm good. It's good, I got the job. Whew. And then you tap out again, right? It's just, you're not gonna be very spiritually healthy. We're talking about ongoing soul nutrition. These things are not the end. They're a means to the end. And the end is being close to God, being in tune with God, empowered by God, living with purpose and focus, being confident in what God wants to do in your life. I want to show you what this looks like from the scriptures. I want to take you back to the New Testament, to the writings of Jesus's kid brother, James. We've looked at this before, and in this series, it's, it's been something I, I think is very important for us to look at those early writings of the New Testament when the church was just getting started and, and the Christians were just beginning to gather together because some of the things that they experienced then are so important for us still today. 
And so James, Jesus' kid brother, wrote a letter to this first group of Christians in the first century. And they were facing difficult times, just like you face difficult times, we all face difficult times. And what I want you to see is I want you to notice how often in this letter, this first letter to the first church in these first Christians, how often he refers them back to the word of God and to prayer, to the word of God and to prayer during what they were going through. Now, something else I want to point out before we go here is that when you open up a Bible, you will see chapter numbers and verse numbers, you know, chapter one, verse three, all of that. Those were not originally in the original texts of the Hebrew and the Greek when it was first written. Um, those were added later for people like us that can't read Hebrew and Greek and to find our places so we can kind of find and reference different sections of it, okay? So none of the meetings were changed or anything like that. It was just kind of numbered so we could kind of find our place and follow along. That came later, and I'm thankful for that. Or else, can you imagine? You know, there's already no pictures in it <laughs> except the maps in the back and never been to those places much. And so, right, okay, so, that, so the numbers and the, all that helps, okay? But they didn't have that. So here's why I point that out. When... Letter, when this letter of James was written and given to the first Christians, they read it in its entirety. They would read it from beginning to end. So they would get all of this. See, you and I as American Christians, modern Christians, a lot of times we just you know, pick a verse here, we pick a this, and we pick that, and we're like, I don't understand that because you didn't read the whole thing. You don't understand the context. You don't understand what he said before it. You don't understand what he said after it. You know, It's just like reading a letter from a friend and just picking out one line and going, can you believe that? I'm like, what? Can I believe what? Well, you have to read before it. You have to read after it. Okay, you have to get the context. So, so please understand that what we're going to do over the next few minutes and just get the highlights of some of the things he said. They read all of this in its entirety. But I want to show you how many times he refers in this first letter to things like the Word of God and to prayer, how important it is. Let me show you. Here we go. James writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, followers of Jesus... You ever been there, faced a problem, you didn't know what to do? I don't know what to do. I don't know if I take this job or take this job. I don't know if to say yes or no or no or yes or to do it now or to wait. I just need some wisdom. You should ask God. What's that? It's called prayer. You should ask God for wisdom. Who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. What will be given to you? God will give you wisdom. Does it say that God will fix your problems? No, that God will make all the issues go away? No, but God will give you wisdom and help you know what to do. Just ask. That's prayer. You see that? And I love that part about God not finding fault. We think God's a fault-finding God. You know, like when we come to him in prayer, he goes, no, that, 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 that prayer, that's a sucky prayer. It's not a good prayer. You didn't say the right words. It's not... No, you didn't go to church last week. No, no. See, God's not a fault finder. Boy, we, we, should, we should learn from God. He's not a fault finder. And we'll come back to that some other time. That's, all right, let's keep going. We saw this in week one. Do not merely listen to the word, the word of God, God's words. And so deceive yourself, because if you just listen to it and you don't do it, you fool yourself into thinking you've done something. When you haven't done anything, you've just heard about it, you've just read about it. You should do what it says. You should do what it says. Do what? Do what the Word of God teaches you to do. You see the reference? 
These people who are facing problems, now their problems were big-time problems to them just like yours are to you. Now, they were being persecuted and threatened for their very lives because they were followers of Jesus, and I, I understand that you need a new alternator in your car. But, you know, problems are problems, right? You know, shouldn't compare, shouldn't compare. So he, he's just saying, you know, when you face problems, it's important that when you read the Word of God, you do what it says, you don't just read it. He goes on. Another place in James, later on in the letter, he says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Look at that. Come near to God and he will come near to you. How do you come near to God? How do you do that? Through his word and through prayer. It's not the only ways. Sometimes just being out in in, in nature, God's creation draws you closer to God. Sometimes listening to music. About God draws you closer to God, but the primary ways that we draw close to the heart of God is through reading his words to us and then sharing our words through prayer to him. And that conversational exchange, we draw closer to God. And when we do that, he draws close to us. You feel like, I don't know why God's a million miles away. I don't know why God seems so far away. Well, hey, have you been in a conversation with him lately? Have you been hearing from his word? And have you been spending time in prayer? He goes on to this part. I love this. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. How do you humble yourself before the Lord? By the way, FYI, this is a little pet peeve of mine. Don't, don't pray for God to humble you because he just might. When, when people around me want to be spiritual and go, Lord, humble me, I just... <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> right? Because what if he does? Right? Here's what you pray. God, help me to humble myself. Help me to humble myself before you. Help me humble myself before you. Help me to have the wisdom through your word and through prayer to remember who you are and who I am. Then he says, when you're making decisions and you're going through difficult times and you're making decisions and you're making plans, well, I think I should do this and I think I should do that. He says, you ought to say if it's the Lord's will. If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. How do you find the Lord's will? How do you discover God's will? Through God's word and through prayer. Through God's word and through prayer. Through God's word and through prayer. The power source of the soul. And I love towards the end, this is so clear. Is anyone among you in trouble? Anyone, anyone in trouble? Some of you are going, oh, man, I'm in trouble. Let them pray. Not let them worry. Not let them freak out, which is what we often do. Me too, me too, me too. Not let them ask about 50 other people, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think? think? Nothing wrong with getting some counsel too. There's wisdom and counsel. The scripture talks about that. But if you're in trouble, let them pray. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. Prayer can be powerful and effective. You see how many times that Jesus' brother points out to the people that are following his older brother, who is the Savior of the world, how many times he points them, man, you, you, need, to, you need to look to the Word of God. You need to pray. It is the rhythm of soul health. Okay, so before, before we bring all this together, I want to get real practical in the next few minutes. I'm going to get really, really practical, so practical that some of, you, some of you will be tempted to go, oh, I know that. Yeah, but you know it so well, you don't do anything about it. And so for those of you who know this, 
may it be a shot in the arm to say, you know what, I need to get back to what I know. But for a lot of you, and you can just act like you know this already, but for a lot of you, this is going to be extremely helpful. Very practical, very practical. Let's talk about God's Word in a second. When you start reading God's Word, it can be very intimidating. A lot of people are saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. I don't understand. It, it, it seems very hard to, to read. And many, many people, even Christians, are intimidated by the reading of God's Word. And so here are a couple things to help. Start in John. Or start in James, what we've been reading through today. Start in the New Testament. A lot of people, when they open up a Bible, they do what a lot of us do when we begin reading a book. We start at the beginning, right? We can go to the first page. But see, the Bible wasn't written chronologically. What you have in your, in your Bible was not chronologically laid out like past the first several chapters, Okay, and there's lots of reasons for that, and we can get into that kind of stuff later. And so you're good, like, you know, beginning Genesis, in the beginning, God created, and you read Genesis and, and how God made everything, and you're all, oh, that's great. And then it ends with the story of Joseph, and then that's great. And then you get into this Exodus, and then you get to Leviticus, and you're like, what the crap is all that? And then you get to Numbers, and you're like, I, they're just counting people. What, what is this? I don't understand how this helps me. You're right, you get lost, and if you're like me, you know, by the time you get there, you're done. You're right, and you're like, I ain't doing this, and you close it, and you assume. No, no, don't do that. Start in the New Testament. Start with the teachings of Jesus in the book of John. And the reason I encourage you to start in the book of John is one of the most easy, the easiest parts of the Bible to understand. In the book of John, and James, both of them. There's so much help in there, but start in the New Testament. And personally, I skip around. I skip around. I, I read a little here and I read a little there, Old Testament, New Testament. That just helps me. You got to find what works for you. And maybe this will help. There's an app called the YouVersion Bible app. It's free. Download it. The YouVersion Bible app. And there's so many tools just in that app. And it's all free to help you get in a daily soul rhythm of this soul health when it comes to being in the Word of God. And I always recommend this. There's two modern translations that I believe are the most readable and understandable and most accurate being readable and understandable to the original languages. And that is the New Living Translation, the NLT, and the New International Version, the NIV. These are the two that we use more times than not here at the summit. And so they're much easier to understand because it's written in modern language because it, it just gets me. I was growing up, you know, in church where they would use the older translations, which are beautiful, and there's nothing wrong with them. And then they would read stuff that none of us understood, and then the pastor would spend the next 15 minutes helping us understand it. Well, what this word means is this. Well, why don't we just call it that? To, you know, in the translation, well, just, just translate it that. And, you know, tell me, you know, that's an old word. We don't use the word. You see, and so modern translations kind of do that. They just start, they just kind of shorten the process up a little bit. And that'll really help you. One more thing I want to say about this is um, when it comes to the Bible, a lot of Christians get into this. I'm going to try to read the Bible through in a year. I'm going to try to read the Bible through in a year. I don't advise that, personally. I don't advise that. It's very hard to do. And it's not only just hard to do, and maybe like, I've done it before, I've done it before. Well, great, great, maybe you're really good at it. But the problem with that is it, it, it gets to focus on the streak. Streaks are very important, aren't they? And if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, just forget it. 
right? Everybody's into the streaks, right? Got to keep the streak alive. Got to keep the streak alive, you know, on social media and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, the Bible was not made to be read through in 365 days. That wasn't the point. God didn't say, don't write anymore. This is, they can barely get through this in a year. If you add anything else, it's going to take them a year and a day, and that'll screw up the whole system. No. Come on. Now, nothing wrong with reading the Bible through in a year, but the problem is, is that you'll get into Leviticus, and you'll get discouraged, and you'll quit, and you'll feel like a failure. And that, the point is not for you to get through the Bible. The point is for God's Word to get through you. There's a difference. That's why I skip around. That's why I, you know, it's just, just Relax. The point is to spend time in God's word, not to conquer it, not to accomplish it. But let's talk about prayer. Prayer. Boy, we talk a lot about prayer, and there's a lot of intention on prayer. We just don't do a lot of praying. Talk a lot about it. And we get these prayer cards, you know, already we're getting lots of those each weekend. And, and that's great. That's wonderful. And what that tells us, and you need to know, we pray for you. We have groups of people that pray for you. But what that tells us is we all know we need prayer and we all want to be prayed for. But what you may not know is that you can pray. You can pray. Well, I don't know the language. There is no special language. There is no special words. Well, I don't know if I can just talk to God. You can pray. Well, I don't have time to pray. Prayer is not supposed to be a long thing. You know, I hear people and you hear people I know, you know, I pray for 30 minutes every morning. I pray for an hour every morning. I don't know if I've ever prayed for an hour. I can't do it. And I know you go ahead and be disappointed in me as your pastor. Go ahead. I'm just not a long prayer squirrel. You know, I, I just, <laughs> my attention goes all over the place kind of thing. And I know you're probably thinking, well, you just don't love Jesus enough. You're right. I don't. And, but I'm just, not, I'm just not a long prayer, okay? So here's what I've learned. And here's what I see that the scriptures teach. Prayer is an ongoing conversation. It's an ongoing conversation. It's an ongoing conversation between you and Almighty God. An ongoing conversation. You're not filling him in on things he doesn't know about. He's aware of all of it. Then why pray? Because it aligns your heart with his. It aligns your will with his. It gets you in a conversation that feeds your soul. And you need an ongoing conversation. Can you imagine? You get to have an ongoing conversation with the power that created everything that is. You. Whether you got a degree or not, whether you know what the Bible means or not, whether you're new to church or not, it doesn't matter. How much money you have, it doesn't matter. Who your family is, it doesn't matter. You are welcome to an ongoing conversation with your creator. I love the writer of Hebrews. He says it like this. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Isn't that great? Ongoing conversation. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, nah, I, don't, I don't know about this. This God's word and prayer thing, I hear what you're saying, and that sounds good. I, I just don't think I need it. Oh, yes, you do. It's really about not what you need. It's about ongoing soul health, and everybody needs that. Soul care. And God's word and prayer shapes your thinking it will shape your behavior and your decisions and form a context for your life. 
So that when you are making decisions and doing things, what will you find yourself doing? What does God say about this in his word? And have I spent time talking to God about this? What does God say about this in his word? And have I spent time talking to God about this? What does God say about this in his word? And sometimes it's nothing, so that means you're free to do whatever. Ask God to give you wisdom and strength through prayer. And sometimes, though, you'll go to God's word, and God's word is specific about what to do in situations that you're in what to do and what not to do. What does God's word say about it? And have I spent time in prayer? And all of these things, God's word and prayer, add meaning to all of the other things. It adds meaning to getting in a group, which you need to do. It adds meaning to serving, which you should do. It adds meaning to giving and and doing all the things that we've talked about in this series, being in God's word and spending time with God in prayer. See, you're never going to get to a place in your life where there's like a cap or a quota. Well, I know what the Bible says. Well, how are you doing with it? I mean, are you loving each other the way Jesus loves you? Well, no, not really. Okay, keep reading. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I get all that. Listen, there's no cap, there's no quota. Your car's never going to run so well that it doesn't need an alternator. That's why your car's going to run well is that it has an alternator that's working well. You're never going to get to the place spiritually where you outgrow these two things right here. It's a power source for your soul. Besides, you're going to face a problem eventually. That's going to be so big, the only thing that's going to get you through it is the power of Jesus that you discover in his word and through prayer. When you express your clear and ultimate dependence on Jesus in all things, especially when life gets so tough, the church is not enough. 